Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode of the Strange and Interesting Podcast. My name is Al Seeger and this is a new podcast I'm starting as I have done podcasting for a while, took a bit of a hiatus, decided to get back into it, trying something new. So the purpose of this podcast, it's going to be a combination of like uh, folklore, urban legends, and paranormal. So basically things that I find, well, strange and interesting. So sometimes I'll be going at it alone. Other times I will have guests. So to help me kick it off, though, I do have a guest, a friend of mine and longtime podcast co-host, someone who isn't always interesting, but definitely is very strange. My friend, Chad Knight. How's it going today, buddy? You know, I take no offense to the not always or uh, to being weird, but not being interesting. That's not true. Trolling you, bro. Trolling you. And everything's cool, man. How about you? I'm not too bad. It's a been a beautiful summer day, and I am in the mood to talk about paranormal things. Now, I don't know about you, but I have been interested in ghosts, UFOs, and the paranormal ever since I was probably my early teens. And as a kid... I remember watching a, ver a variety of paranormal investigation shows, and I always thought, you know, someday I would love to become a paranormal investigator, a parapsychologist. I was never able to realize that dream, but Chad actually does have experience as a paranormal investigator. Of course, you're not like the guys on, like, Ghost Adventures or... or uh, Ghost Hunters, where you had a film crew following you, but you have actually done some paranormal investigation. I have, yes. Um, I did it for about two years, I think. Yeah, about two years. I would love to get back into it. I just don't have the time. That is cool, though, that you did have a chance to do it for a little while. I mean, you've got two more years of paranormal investigation under your belt than I do. So, in today's episode, we'll learn a little bit about how Chad got into paranormal investigation. Hopefully, he'll have some cool stories to share with us. But let's go back to what got you started or what got you interested in paranormal things in the first place. Fear? But that's not the answer you were expecting, was it? Not really, because... I would think that if you were afraid of ghosts and sneaking around in dark places, that paranormal investigation is probably not the thing that you'd want to do. That would be what you would think, and that's what a rational mind would come up with. But you're not a rational mind, are you? Oh, there are times. But anyway, <laughs> so the idea of ghosts have always fascinated me. You know, what are they? Where do they come from? That kind of stuff. But it was a fascination that scared the living bejesus out of me. Then, um, well, let's go back even a little bit further. My first paranormal experience. So my very first paranormal experience, I was probably about 14 or 15 years old. And 
a buddy of mine and I were out hiking through the woods and we come across an old dugout. I don't even know what you would call it. It was kind of just like a dugout trench area. Like maybe somebody went in there and was, uh, you know, maybe like digging, trying to find minerals or something like that. I mean, it had been all grown over, so it was old. And I just remember all of a sudden I felt like it was more than the two of us. And we both happened to look down inside this this pit, whatever you want to call it. And there was a man standing down in there. And if I had to guess, I'd say he was in his 60s. He was wearing like a gray tweed suit kind of looking thing, a hat. He had long, longer white hair. And all I remember, or the thing that, that strikes me the most and still does to this day, is he kind of looked up at us. And when he looked up at us, his eyes were completely white. Hmm. How so, deep was this pit? Oh, I don't know, 10 feet, 12 feet. It wasn't very deep. I mean, it had been obvious other kids had been down through, I mean, you know, or maybe um, like uh, deer trails or something like that. But yeah. it was passable. And then he looked up at us, the white eyes, looked back at him. And then there was this like completely like acrid smell. I It always reminds me of like sulfur. And it hit hit me in the, you know, kind of like, like you almost could physically feel it hit you in the face. And so close your eyes, you know, and when you, when I opened my eyes again, he was gone. First thing I did is I looked at my buddy and I said, eh? he goes, oh yeah, I saw it. I said, okay. So at that point, ghost was not what was in our head. We went, where did he go? Down the pit we went. <laughs> so we went and searched in the pit, nothing. Couldn't find any tracks, couldn't find anything. And that was my first paranormal experience. Nothing ever came of it. It was the only time I've ever seen that that apparition. But my first paranormal experience that I had was a full-bodied apparition. <laughs> so where was this uh, pit? Um, it was out in the woods near where I grew up. It was probably less than a mile from my house. Oh. Um, so I live in central Wisconsin, and I live between two larger hills. One is called Rib Mountain. It's not really a mountain. It's just a big hill, but they have a ski area on it, so it's called Rib Mountain, you know, marketing. And then um, I grew up between there and uh, what's known as Mosany Hill. So there's there's Rib Mountain, there's Mosany Hill, and there's another hill, which I can't think of the name of right now. Tim's Hill, or is, isn't that a bit further away? Tim's is further away. Okay. Um, but anyway, these three are kind of a, some, some people think it's like the outer rim of an old volcano. It is. I, I actually remember uh, when I was in, took a geology class in high school, we took a field trip up there and... Uh, that's one of the things our geology teacher told us is that the area where you live, it used to be the uh, the magma chamber of an ancient volcano. See, and our science teacher every year or in fifth grade, they, they took the kids up on top of Rib Mountain and they told us it was definitely not the outline of a 
of a old volcano. So, you know, your geology teacher probably knows no more than my fifth grade science teacher did. So, and, but anyway. Well, I think it was, he said it was actually a xenolith. But this is this is paranormal. This isn't a geology podcast. Right. So. so anyway, the only reason I was even bringing it up is because this was at towards the bottom of Mosinee Hill. Okay. So next time I'm up in your area, you'll have to take me there. Maybe we'll be uh have a chance to see it again. Actually, I think the uh, road now goes over exactly where that pit was. Ah, so it might not even be there anymore. Exactly. But anyway, um, so that was my first paranormal experience. And honestly, I never even thought of it as a paranormal experience until I got older. So I was never one for scary movies, you know, anything like that. Any ghost stories, anything like that was not my forte. But bring it back up. So then I had met a guy and I'd been talking to him quite a bit. And he asked me if I was ever interested in you know, ghost hunting or something like that. I said, I, I'm no, I'm, I wouldn't want to do that. I'm like, you know, I don't even know if ghosts exist, but if they do, they scare the hell out of me. I don't want any part of it. So I talked to him on and off for like six months. And finally I'm like, you know what? I'll tell you what, if you got room for me, I'll go on a hunt with you. Go see what it's all about. And the opportunity came up the very first ghost hunt I went on. I was freaked to the max the entire time. Saw nothing, <laughs> which is what you find on most ghost hunts is nothing. Yeah. And I can certainly understand that. I guess I would say it's in a way it's kind of like fishing. Sometimes you go out on the lake and all you do is just sit there with your, uh, your your sinker in the water and you don't get anything. Other times you get something. And uh, I mean, I know from the paranormal investigation shows I've watched over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes they catch lots of stuff. Other times they have to tell the person that, you know, they're the, whose home they're investigating. I don't really, you know, we probably don't think your house is haunted. And we'll talk about some of those ghost hunting shows uh, later yeah. on. But let's get back to you. And so you joined this group. What was the name of this group? Uh, it was the Wasa Paranormal Research Society. They still around? They are. And um, I did, in the two years I was with them, or a year and a half I was with them, I think I did um, about five home investigations. Um, we investigated the Grand Theater in Wausau, um, which we found nothing the night we were there. Um, and then there's a place in downtown Wausau, and this is my scariest encounter with the paranormal, um, that used to be the Rogers Cinema. So it was a, it was a theater. Uh, before it was a theater, though, it was a auto shop, it was a, what do you call that? Uh, like a garage. A, well, yeah, it was, it was an auto shop. It was a garage. It, before that, it was a, um, you know, where they show dead people. Um, a funeral home. A funeral home. Um, there's also rumors that at one point it was a brothel in Wausau. So um, when we went there, it was actually kind of neat because I had heard some of the stories. It wasn't the first time the group was you know, investigating there. 
and they had told a story about you know if you go upstairs and you go in this one theater up there uh one night they had caught on camera like an entire row of chairs just bouncing you know kind of bouncing back and forth and in that they had also caught the voice of a woman singing so that was kind of cool we went up there we didn't really get much out of there and then even up higher in this building there was a small apartment and there were stories about people that had lived there and things that had happened there and we got nothing there we really didn't get much of anything that whole night until we went in the basement so the way it was set up there was an upper floor that had two small theaters in it the main floor had a, had a large theater in it and that's where all the new releases were shown and stuff like that and then in the basement they had this tiny theater i think it maybe maybe had 50 seats in it maybe and that's where you know the final run like the final gasping shows were shown so we went down in there and there was a story of a face in because they have the old projection booth because it had been on a theater for quite a while so they had the old projection booth and in fact in one of the booths they still had an old like like the old school you know like tape projectors kind of thing Oh, the reel-to-reels? The reel-to-reels, yeah. And the story was that one of the guys that had worked there for years doing the doing the reel-to-reel kind of thing had passed away and that his ghost had become a resident there and he wasn't the nicest guy in the world. So we're sitting down there and at this point it was transitioning from a theater into a nightclub. So they had removed all of the chairs out of that theater and there were still, you know, the little the little uh, bolts that held them to the floor were still sticking up. So we're all kind of, we all kind of like picked the place before all the lights went out. You know, like I was sitting on the stage um, with a couple other people. And there were a couple people standing on the wall. So I think we had about six of us that night. And then um, one of the main guys, or the, the guy who leads the group and still does to this day, Sean is kind of walking around you know slowly walking around he's got the he's got a tape recorder and on this tape recorder you can hear me say hey guys did you see that as i saw i mean we were sitting in complete darkness no no lights were on there is no natural light coming in because we're below ground I said hey guys did you see that as i watched a shadow move across one of the walls so it was darker than dark you know and when they say that on the on tv i'm like i know what you're talking about i've seen that you know, and of course, you know, because it's human nature, I point, I remember distinctly pointing at it. Nobody saw me point at it, but I said, hey, did you guys see that? And then you hear Sean kind of go, oof, because he caught his toe on one of those, on one of those little um, bolts. bolts. Mm -hmm. He didn't fall, but he almost fell. And he goes, whoa, that would have sucked. And then we caught an EVP, like class A EVP, like clear, like you don't have to think about it. It said, yeah, Sean, that would have been cool. Hmm. So you said a class A EVP. I mean, I know that uh, there's, you know, of course, different quality levels mm -hmm. of the AVP. I didn't know if there was like a, a recognized ranking system because just again, from the shows I've watched, yeah, there's some where it, it is fairly clear but I guess the thing that I hate about the way some shows present EVPs mm -hmm. is they tell you what they think they heard. It's a trick of the mind. Yep, because it's like, 
Now, if you listen carefully to this EVP, you'll hear a voice say, I'm going to murder you. And then it's like you, you, it's, it's kind of like the backwards or subliminal messages that preachers used to say were in the, you know, hard rock, heavy metal albums. Right. You know, it's kind of like if someone tells you that, uh, if someone tells you, you know, if you listen, you'll hear this voice say, I'm going to murder you. Or, you know, if you hear, uh, you know, if you listen to this, this lyric backwards, you'll hear something about my sad Satan. And, you know, so it's like it puts that seed in your mind, though you might, you know, if someone didn't point out, hey, do you, you know, did you hear that? You might not, you might not notice it or you might not even notice anything at all. Right. Or it might sound something totally different to you. My wife is a big proponent of that because I watch a lot of the ghost hunting shows too. And she'll be like, where are they getting that from? I don't hear anything, you know? And I'm like, yeah. And that's where the classing comes in. So why I called what we had a class A EVP, you don't have to have somebody tell you what any of the words are. It is clear as day. So you clear as day, you hear it say, I'm going to murder you. Yeah. Well, not exactly, (laughs) but... Yeah, it said, you know, that it would have been cool if Sean would have tripped and fell and hurt himself. So that happened. And then not even long after that, I'm sitting on the I'm sitting on the uh, stage and all of a sudden it's getting hard to breathe. Like I couldn't breathe, like I couldn't catch my breath. And it literally felt like somebody was choking me, you know. And I actually stayed with it for well, it felt like forever, but it was probably like five minutes, you know, and at that point I'm just like, guys, I need to, I need to get out for a while. So everybody decides it's a good time for a break. All six of us, we go up and the entire time we're going up the stairs and stuff to get out of there. I could feel like, you ever feel like somebody's watching you, like staring at you? I could feel that the whole way. And as soon as I walked out of that building, I could breathe no problem. And I was fine as long as I didn't turn around and look at the building. Because if I would turn around and look at the building, I could feel it just sitting there watching me, staring at me. So um, I kind of wussed out. I did not go back in that night. They, uh, a bunch, The rest of them did go back in. I just, I tried two or three times. And every time I'd get to the door, I was just like, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. So that was the end of my night, but they didn't really catch anything after that. It freaked me out so bad that I avoided that road for like two years afterwards. (laughs) Nikki and I just walked past the building a few weeks ago or whatever, but it's gone from being a nightclub to being now it's a church. So we walked by there and I was fine. I didn't feel anything. I didn't, you know, see or hear anything. So. But yeah, that that had to be the scariest interaction I've ever had. Um, you know, and I've had little things throughout the years. I don't know if you've ever actually had a paranormal experience. You and I have never really talked about this. Yeah, I know we've talked a little bit about paranormal stuff in uh, previous podcasts. but Right. And there's another story that you'll have to tell that I, I remember about experience you said you had in the Wisconsin Dells. Mm, yes. But well, let's talk about you here for a second. Have you okay. ever had a paranormal experience? This might actually sound unusual considering the fact that I, you know, have this uh 
casual interest in the paranormal, but I really haven't had a lot of paranormal experiences in my life. At least, certainly nothing as dramatic as, you know, what you described seeing a, a full body apparition in the middle of the woods. Mm -hmm. Now, there have been times when I had kind of that not alone feeling, that right. feeling of being watched. Other times where, you know, felt maybe like I was someplace I didn't belong. Uh, nothing which, I don't know, some of those feelings maybe could be chalked up to other things. Probably the closest to a genuine paranormal experience that I could say I've had my wife, before we got married, she lived in a rental house uh, here in town. And I swear, the basement of that house was the portal to hell. Because okay. <laughs> now the there was like a, you know, the front door, there was this little hallway and there's like a, uh, you know, one side there was a little area where you could hang a coat or put your, your winter boots. And then the other side there was the stairs to the basement and then there was like a door that you could open or close to that would lead into the house itself with the kitchen i don't remember if there was a door to the actual basement or not but my wife's dog at the time she would not enter the basement and you know one time she took me down there and yeah you felt kind of creepy but what was really strange is in one of the walls there was an area that was boarded up so it was about maybe like about a four, three and a half, four foot tall by maybe five, six feet wide area where okay. again, there were some wooden boards that were, were bolted into the wall. I'm sure there was probably, you know, some reason they did that for like a construction or to, to reach something, but it just seemed really kind of weird and out of place. And again, that's one of the things where you go down there, you get that feeling of being unwelcome or not being alone. And I know a lot, there's a, a popular belief that animals have a keener sense to the paranormal than we do. Mm -hmm. So the fact that my wife's dog didn't want to go, never wanted to go down there, you know, that was something that was kind of unusual too. Now, there was one time where I almost thought I saw a UFO, but then I realized what it was. Uh, when I used to live in Oshkosh, uh, I used to like taking walks at night and I was, uh, you know, walking towards Lake Winnebago. So for anyone who's not familiar with the, you know, the, the setup, uh, Oshkosh is on the Western shores of, of Lake Winnebago. And on the other side of the lake is a formation called the Niagara Escarpment or, or part of it. It's actually a very large geological formation that runs, um, through Wisconsin, Michigan and Michigan, but I remember I was walking that way and I saw this really peculiar red glow just above these hills or this ridge on the other side of the lake. And then it took me a moment when I realized, that's the moon, you dummy. We've known about it for quite some time because <laughs> it, um, it was just a thin sliver of a crescent and it was hidden behind some clouds and just because of where it was, it was you know, reflecting that, 
uh, you know, it had that reddish glow to it. So that was kind of weird. But like I said, it after a moment or two, I realized it's not a UFO. It's just the moon in a, a strange position that makes it look kind of unrecognizable. It's not a moon. It's a space station. We're not getting into conspiracy theories, at least not this episode. <laughs> uh, so anyway, you wanted to hear the other story again. Uh, yes, because I remember this is one where we talked about where you and your wife were visiting the water park tourist trap capital of the world, Wisconsin Dells. That is true. And we were on the main thoroughfare, you know, where they've got all the the fudge shops and the candy shops and the t-shirt shops, you know, that, that area. The touristy stuff where they're selling right. little knickknacks that probably would cost about $10, except they sell them for like 30 or 40. Right. So, you know, normal. So anyway, um, we were, we were walking along and they had a haunted house and I hadn't done a haunted house since I was a kid, you know? And she's like, let's do the haunted house. And I'm like, I don't want to do the haunted house. She's like, let's do the haunted house. I said, all right, let's do the haunted house. So we go up there and, you know, they give you the spiel at the beginning. It's it's really scary. And even if you leave, you don't get your money back, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're like, whatever, dude, you know. So we didn't get very far in. I will preface this story with that. We did not get very far in. So the way it was set up, you walked in like straight in, and then the and then it turned right away to you know start getting so that less light you can get you can get scary things closer to the opening. So we start walking in, and there was enough light that you could see there was like a plexiglass box that you were going to come up on that probably had something scary in it, because we never got that far because I got about six steps in, and I feel a hot breath on my neck and I get pushed. I get like physically shoved from behind. I know it's not my wife. She's in front of me. And I turn around. There's nothing there. There's nobody there. I turned around and I said, I'm leaving. And I just walked out. And of course she followed because at the time I didn't care. I was leaving. <laughs> it was like, if she wants to go through it, that's fine. So long story short, the guy said, oh, you can go back in if you want to. And I'm like, nope. I said, Nikki, if you want to go, go ahead. So he goes like, you don't get your money back. And I'm like, keep my fucking money. I don't care. Because <laughs> it freaked me out. So now, you know, that's it for as far as the encounter goes, that's it, right? About 10 years later, a lot of times we'll go to like little bookstores and stuff and you can find stories like, you know, ghost stories of this part of Wisconsin or that part of Wisconsin. Well, we found one that was, I, I forget exactly what the name of it is, uh, but it was like ghost stories of Wisconsin, right? We're reading about this. We're going through the book and we hit the story about the Wisconsin Dells. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat, you know. And she starts reading about this old auto repair shop that was on the main drag there, blah, blah, blah. And in there was talking about, you know, what it had been over throughout the years and everything. And they're like, oh, and then at this time, it was a haunted house attraction, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, still, it's not still not clicking, right? So she's reading along as I'm driving. And it's like, people will feel a hot breath on their back and feel like they've been pushed or on their neck. And I'm like, 
I said to her, I said, that's what, and she's like, yep. And so we did a little research and where the haunted house was is where this auto shop was. And what we read in that book 10 years later is what happened to me 10 years earlier. And that was just a weird coincidence. That's weird. And uh, I used to, sometimes my family used to go on vacation down in Wisconsin Dells when I was a kid. And I remember walking down the street, you know, the main strip there, seeing the, you know, the haunted house attractions, which I'm curious. I wonder, it'd be interesting to find out what's there right now, if it's still like a haunted house or... No, the haunted house is long gone. I want to say it's one of those, like, buy your t-shirts, buy your knickknacks here kind of place now. But I haven't been to the Dells probably in five years. Yeah, I haven't been there in a while either. And I mean, I know that place reinvents itself every every few years just mm-hmm. to try to keep, you know, keep people coming in. And But anyways... You're right. Whatever that haunted house was at one time is probably now just a, you know, a place right. selling T-shirts for fifty bucks. There is actually also in the Dells. If you're looking for stuff to do, there is a well. There's two haunted attractions down there. There is a haunted boat ride, which you get on the ducks and they take you to supposedly haunted places along the river. And then there is a land-based ghost tour. Um, that I did with one of my daughters, and it's actually pretty cool. It was it was well done. The stories are great. Um, you don't go hunting, but they take you to haunted places. They tell you the stories, and so and I can't I can't remember what the name of that one was, but it was last I knew it was the only one that was in town, and it wasn't super expensive. I think it was thirty dollars for the two of us or something like that, and it's an hour hour and a half long, so. That's cool. And I've always wanted to go on one of those ghost tours, you know, where they just take you around and they tell you about, you know, okay, supposedly someone was murdered here and people see a ghost of a woman here. Here's a building where people sometimes hear a crying child. Um, I know uh, my wife, she's originally from Chicago and uh, there's a Richard Crow or Jim Crow. No, not Jim Crow. Maybe his name is like Richard Crow, but I know there's a guy who does a lot of those tours down there. So Okay. Okay. So as I mentioned, one of the things that got me interested in Paranormal was watching these shows as a kid. So what are some of the shows that you remember watching back then, or did you not start watching uh, Paranormal until later? It was much later, actually. The first show I ever watched was Ghost Hunters. The original Ghost Hunters with uh, Jason Hawes and... Taps, uh, yeah. Yeah, the Taps crew. I really enjoyed them. They seem very legit to me. Like, very scientific, very much the way that when I was investigating, the way we like to do it. You know, it's very scientific. You try to disprove things. That's one of the things that I like about them as well is the... uh, As you said, they try to be more scientific. They try to debunk things. And I remember there was this one episode where there was a room where guests would feel uncomfortable. And they actually discovered the reason why is because there was a problem with the ceiling fan where one of the settings, it it wasn't spin, but it was still generating the electromagnetic frequency. And that made people feel a little bit uncomfortable. So, you know, it's either, well, either get the fixture fixed or, you know, just tell people. 
Yeah. And there was another one where people would hear these strange knockings in the basement. And this is where uh, one of them said that their experience as plumbers actually came in handy. Because for those who don't know the uh, guys who founded it, Jason and Grant, they were plumbers before they uh, started this ghost hunting stuff. They worked for Little Rooter. Yep. And there was a, like a septic tank or a septic pump. No, not a septic pump. There was a sump pump in the basement, and they noticed that when it would kick in, it would sometimes like hit one of the rods there, and mm-hmm. that's what was causing these uh these sounds. So it is nice when you do see these ghost shows where they don't try to make a big deal out of everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, and I remember once seeing one show where uh the where they were investigating a house that well it used to be like a small church. But then someone bought it and made it their house. Oh, I know exactly which episode you're talking about, too. Yeah. And at the end of the investigation, they had to tell them, well, we didn't really find anything that would convince us that it's haunted. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, and I think that happens a lot. People are, something happens and they convince themselves that somewhere's haunted because this thing happened. And in reality it can be explained through scientific means and your place isn't haunted. You just have mice in the basement. <laughs> Could be, you know, have you ever watched ghost adventures? Oh uh, yes. That was, um, that's what they're kind of the opposite of. They're the exact opposite. And actually, um, my youngest daughter and I love to watch these, uh, paranormal shows together. They're like the WWE, uh, they're like the professional wrestling of ghost hunting. It is so bad. It is so bad that it's funny. My daughter and I will sit and laugh through those episodes. And then there's Ghost Hunters. I also watch Dead Files. Have you ever seen that one? I've seen Dead Files, which that one, I don't know, because I know my wife likes Amy, the psychic on that one. Mm -hmm. I like Steve, the the detective guy, because he... You know, again, he tries to look up this information like, okay, what happened here? You know, who right. are some of the people that lived here? And he tries to take that. The, the guy was, um, for anyone who hasn't seen Dead Files, Steve, sir, he worked as a homicide detective in New York for, I'm pretty sure it was New York, but he has. Yeah, I think years or something like that. It was a long yeah. time. Yeah, so, yeah, he's he knows how to investigate things. And then you have Amy doing more of the psychic type stuff where, you know, I see this, you know, I can feel this presence saying I can see this. And then, you know, at the end, they try to say like, okay, you want to find a shaman and a chaos magician to come in and do this. Or you want to find a priest to come in and bless the house, which, you know, I'm not sure if I necessarily believe some of that stuff. Well, here's my thing. Here's my whole thing. The only... The only really gripe I have about that show is I want to know the stuff that she sees or thinks she's, you know, or communicates with that doesn't make the show because it doesn't match up to his information. I don't know if you've ever really watched it, but she's like, I feel this. And then they show him finding information that, you know, Mm -hmm. corroborates that. You know, if she's that good, kudos for her. But I would like to see, like, the entire thing, you know, and, like, you know, and the four or five people or things that had died in the house that she never mentions that he found, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because you know this has to be edited down to make a 45-minute episode. Oh, yeah. So, and you're going to put the stuff in there that matches because 
that's what people want to see. But I, you know, as a as a person that's interested not only in the paranormal, but in what ghosts are and and how they become what they are. I would like to see that stuff that doesn't show like, oh, she's perfect. She hits every time, you know. And, and that's one of the problems I have with ghost adventures is everywhere they go, there's something and there's a lot of it. And it's, you know. What caused me to lose a bit of respect for them. Now, don't get me wrong. It's good as entertainment. Yes, like I absolutely. said, it's the professional wrestling of ghost hunting shows. Yes. But I remember there was this one investigation they were doing where they were like, we are going to read from an ancient Babylonian text that's so dangerous, we're not going to tell you the name of it. And then I remember listening to them read it, and it's like, that's the Necronomicon, you goofballs. It's not real. But you're right. It's like there's always something there. And another thing is like Zach Baggins. I know he'll do stuff where like if they go to a house where people have been known to have someone try to push them down the stairs. And, you know, he'll like stand at the top of the stairs with his arms outraged, you know, push me. Come on, push me. I dare you. But do you know how many times I just wanted the ghost to push him? (laughs) But Another show that I used to watch when I was a kid was Sightings. And this one was... I have seen a few episodes of that over the years, but go on. Yeah, this one was more of a short format show where it was like, as I recall, it was like an hour long and they would sometimes, they would only do like two or three segments. So for whatever the runtime is before uh, they have to account for commercials, you know, they would have like two or three... 15 20 minute segments something like that and i have to say as i as i recall the quality of the show tended to diminish a bit as it went on because earlier on they would they had more variety like they might do a segment on bigfoot or a bigfoot like creature and then they'll do another segment on a ufo sighting and then they'll do one about a ghost sighting you know one episode they might go from talking about the loch ness monster to going to uh, you know a house in Chicago that's supposedly haunted, but then after mm-hmm. a while it just became pretty much UFOs, and you got to remember back in like late you know late eighties early nineties, so we didn't have these you know the digital cell phones that we can use to shoot video today. Well, then again, you still see paranormal videos nowadays. Uh, where everything is shaky and grainy but you know back then when you were using vhs tapes yeah you're not going to get very clear images Mm -hmm. um which actually reminds me of another show uh paranormal caught on camera love that show love that show i have to admit some of the videos there i think yeah there's probably some logical explanation but occasionally Mm -hmm. They do have a video that kind of makes me think. It's like, you know, I really don't know if that's uh if that's a fake video or if that's just a case of misidentification. They might actually have something there. Yeah, you know, and and this is going to sound really weird, but do you know how I decide if something I think is legit or not? 
because as I watch videos, like I have seen some pretty scary videos of supposed ghost hauntings and stuff. And if I don't react to it, I'm like, there's got to be something going on here. This isn't real. But there are certain clips that I will see on, like, Paranormal Caught on Camera. Or another good one, uh, um, Ozzy Os- or Jack Osborne. Ozzy Osborne's son does Portals to Hell, and Portals he's got this one where it's called I Want to Believe, where he watches these videos with his mom and dad. And yeah. they have the Oogie Woogie scale where... Uh, they'll watch a video and then the the three of them will rate like how you know how how high they would put it on the oogie boogie scale. <laughs> yeah, and I've watched like Paranormal Lockdown. Have you seen that one? I think I have. Yeah, um, that's those... the one where um, his co-host from Portals to Hell. Uh, I can't remember what her name is, but she Elizabeth works with another or... guy. What's that? Isn't it Elizabeth? No, that's not right. But anyway. Yeah. Um, her and another guy, they go into a supposedly haunted location and they get locked in for 72 hours. They do not leave. They eat, they sleep, they do the whole. And that one seems to be pretty uh, legit to me. There's also a paranormal lockdown UK, which is two completely different people. But the UK has always fascinated me because it's, got such a history of human, you know, um, time spent there. Oh, yeah. And they have buildings that were built in, like, the thousands that are still standing. You know, so it's just like, you know, someday, someday I'm going to England and I want to go, I want to go, go something, but. If someone was interested in becoming a paranormal investigator, what mm-hmm. would you recommend? Find a paranormal group near you, hook up with them, make sure you want to do it because it can get expensive um, to buy the equipment you need and stuff. But that's that would be my recommended way to do it. They're going to be people who have done it before. They're going to teach you what's proper because if you take the idea that ghosts are just what's left of us after we die, they have personalities, they have feelings some people think, they have an idea of what's right and wrong. So if you go in there, like some groups I've seen, and just, you know, challenge the spirits and that kind of stuff, it can end badly. So go find someone who does it, does it right, work with them. And then if at some point you want to break away from that and do your own thing, perfect. But I I would recommend getting in with a group that exists. Yeah, and I, I'm sure there's also the security factor, especially when you're doing residential investigations, because you're going into potentially a complete stranger's home, and you know you might not you might not know what their intentions are, you know whether there's someone who really does need help or whether somebody's crazy. Yeah, so it's definitely safety in numbers, right? Always, always hunt in numbers and never hunt alone. Yeah, and I'm sure another thing, this should go without saying, uh, make sure you have permission to investigate the places you're going. (laughs) Yes. Otherwise, it's called breaking and entering. Trespassing uh, can get you fines and maybe jail time. Yes. Well, that'll wrap up the first episode of Strange and Interesting. The next episode is going to be a little bit different. I'll be doing it solo, and I'm going to be 
talking about a local cemetery and the mental asylum that it used to be attached to. Now, this podcast will likely just be monthly, and the main reason is because a lot of the episodes are going to involve a bit of research. Uh, Not all of them are going to be casual discussions like this episode was. And as I'm sure you understand, doing all this research takes time, and since I have a day job, I don't, I'm not going to be able to consistently put out an episode every couple weeks. So I hope you'll, in the meantime, I hope you'll check out some of the other shows that Eclectic Media Project offers. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like to see me cover, or if you have your own paranormal story or urban legend or little bit of folklore that you want me to share, please email me at poigamestudio at gmail.com and I'll be happy to read your email on the program. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, stay strange and stay interesting. The Strange and Interesting Podcast is a presentation of Point of Insanity Game Studio and the Eclectic Media Project. Look us up on Facebook and anchor.fm.